In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So I've shared with some of you before already that uh, one of the very formative experiences that I've had in my life during my seminary training was working in hospitals and being a hospital chaplain. And in fact, I chose to take a whole year off of seminary and just do that for 12 months full-time in Brooklyn. And I don't know why, but I've been thinking a lot this past week about Brooklyn and about healthcare. <laughs> it's been on my mind, I'm not sure. But for those of you who happen to know Brooklyn, the hospital that I served at was called New York Methodist Hospital in a neighborhood called Park Slope on 7th Avenue. And Methodist Hospital was a good hospital, but it wasn't one of the great famous hospitals of New York. It was really just a large neighborhood hospital serving the local communities. And it's a diverse area where the hospital's located. They used to say, Brooklyn is the UN. There's a lot of everybody. And it, interestingly, in the hospital, the population is at about 30% Jewish. And of the 30% who are Jewish, many of them were of the most strict possible observance. The ultra-Orthodox communities, and some of them Hasidic, um, you recognize them when, by their clothing with the black hats and the black coats and the white shirt and the fringe and the big beards and the women wearing wigs. And many of the nurses and the doctors, as well as the patients, were from this type of background. And I, as a Goy, learned a lot about keeping the law, and specifically about keeping the Sabbath. I got to see how important that can be. And in fact, it made me a little bit jealous of the goodness that can come when you take one day out of seven and you reserve it for rest, for prayer, for family, and for being intentional about your relationship with God. And let's not forget, remember the Ten Commandments? One of the commandments is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, and how many of us completely neglect that commandment? And so to remind you, if you didn't already know, the Sabbath begins when the sun goes down on Friday every day, every week, and then it ends when the sun goes down on Saturday. So you have about 24 hours where there is no work that you do. Now, it gets interesting in this modern world when we get to the question of, well, what is defined as work? Long time ago, to build a fire was very clearly seen as doing work. And so you don't build a fire on the Sabbath, that was determined. Uh, but today, we don't build fires very often, but we do uh, turn on electricity which is seen as a similar thing. And so in the communities that I was surrounded by, you don't flip a light switch on or off. But it turns out that there are some workarounds. I, I knew some families and, and they had a practice of having the lights on timers. <laughs> they would go on and off when they needed to. They would cook their meals for Saturday in a crock pot, which they prepared everything before sundown on Friday afternoon. In, in the hospital, we had a room, a special place um, where families could go and spend the night if they needed to stay. And we had a key to that sleep room for the families. Turns out you can't carry things on the Sabbath. And so the key was a problem. You couldn't carry a key to the sleep area. But what you can do is tie a string on the key and put it on the loop of your belt and then it becomes part of your clothing. And that's all right, workarounds. 
I think probably the most amusing one was that we had a chaplain who was an Orthodox rabbi that lived about a block away from the hospital and he was available to us whenever there was a big emergency and we needed somebody to come in a minute at all hours. So we could call him, his name was Rabbi Hecht, and he always came, but the, the tricky thing is that he couldn't answer the phone because you can't do that on the Sabbath, even taking an emergency call. But it worked out because he had an answering machine with one of those tapes and he could walk over and stand near it and listen. And we always knew if we needed to call him, we would speak slowly and repeat ourselves. And it never failed. Rabbi Hecht always came. So when Jesus is being criticized for healing on the Sabbath, I want to remind us that this was a big deal. This whole community was committed to observing something together, God's command that we remember this day and we observe it, keep it holy. It didn't come out of nowhere. Keeping the Sabbath was extremely important. And remember, Jesus himself was an observant Jew. He and his family did the observations. One of the people who became a good friend of mine at the hospital, another one of the chaplains, who's just a little bit older than me, he was an ultra-Orthodox rabbi himself, but a young man, but with a big black beard and, and a growing family. His name was Rabbi Spitz. Rabbi Spitz and I would often have lunch and talk about all kinds of interesting things and built up some trust. And there was one day where uh, somehow Jesus had come up, I don't remember how, but he leans in in this quiet, almost a whisper, he says, you know, he was a Jew. <laughs> he didn't think that I would have ever heard that before. <laughs> but we need to remember, this is where Jesus was coming from. He was an observant Jew. And remember, he said elsewhere, I didn't come to abolish the law. In fact, I came to fulfill it. And so he gets criticized um, because specifically what he does, it's not just that he was doing a work of healing, but remember how he does it? He spits onto the ground and he takes the dirt and he creates mud with his fingers. One of the things identified as work is kneading dough. And likewise, rubbing your fingers into dirt is kneading the dirt. And so that was the big problem. But let's remember it's a mistake to think that Jesus was just breaking the rules to break the rules. The law was meant for good. The law was meant to keep us on track and to keep us living well and treating others well, honoring our neighbors and honoring God. And while his actions in a technical way broke the rules, they were in good faith with the spirit of the law, which is to do good. A man who was blind was given sight, and it took a little break from the way things had been to open up this new possibility. As so often happens in the stories in the Gospels, the events that take place point way beyond themselves. Giving this man physical sight, it's a sign meant to give us spiritual sight. Physical healing and spiritual healing are not one and the same. And it turns out physical healing, even though it is difficult, is much easier to see and to define. Where spiritual healing, being more mysterious, 
can confuse us, and yet it is spiritual healing that is the superior kind of health. We may not think that we need our sight to be healed, but we all have blindness. The good news is that if we want, there is a way for us to see. All we need is to have the faith and the humility to let Jesus help us like he helped that man because he wants our eyes to be open too. Being able to see is healing. And it is likewise healing to be seen. So can we imagine a world where the sight is restored of all people, all around us? If more people could see and be, see, be seen, we would be so much closer to a world that is on earth as it is in heaven. Well, finally, I want to bring it back to Rabbi Spitz and something that I saw him do one day that surprised me uh, completely. So during that time, uh, one of the things that I learned was um, it was the observance for a man, especially a married man, to have no physical contact with a woman. And so Rabbi Spitz, for example, uh, this includes not shaking hands. And I saw this multiple times uh, where somebody would come up and they were uninitiated and they would see him, but they would put their hand out to shake his hand. He was the nicest man, but he would throw his hand behind his back and look so embarrassed and awkward. And so then there was this one day I had met this uh, person named Sarah, who's actually sitting right there. She's now my wife, but we were just beginning to date at that time. And if you know Sarah, she's a big extrovert. And she came over to the chaplaincy office, and I got the chance to introduce her and Rabbi Spitz for the first time. And, and she actually knew the rules because she'd lived in New York a long time, but forgot them momentarily and went right up to Rabbi Spitz and put her hand out in the most wonderful thing happened. I saw him go like this. <laughs> and I saw the look on his face of both terror and joy. Something new was happening. And I spoke with him afterwards, and I realized that it was premeditated. He had been giving some thought to the way that he was conducting himself in this community where he had landed. And he had figured out that sometimes... You need to break the rule a little bit in order to do the most good. Healing and new sight takes some courage because it takes change. Healing sometimes requires a break in the status quo. It requires us to do new things, to step on new ground. It requires us to risk leaving what we know to be safe and stepping into something better. Amen.